Listener Production. Okay, are you recording? Are you recording? Podcast people, you are listening to episode 25 of the Howie Games Art Series Part A, featuring a man of many bands, a singer of many songs, a performer that brings sizzle, and we love sizzle on this show wherever he goes, Tex Perkins. Now, if you're into Aussie rock and roll, you are very familiar with the big man known as Tex. And if you've seen him live in some heaving, sweaty, loud, pumping venue, I guess you know what all the fuss is about. To celebrate 30 years of its original release, 30 years, where does it go? Universal Music have recently released The Cruel Sea, The Honeymoon Is Over on vinyl. On vinyl, I say, for the very first time. It features 11 previously unavailable B-sides. It was a huge record. Five arias out of ten nominations, if you don't mind. It is still an absolute banger. Ah, that's got to get you going. That has got to put some pep in your step. Now, Tex is currently touring. Jump on his website at texperkins.com. There are gigs galore, including reuniting with the Cruel Sea and with his Johnny Cash man in black tour, which is a cracker. We love a bit of Johnny Cash. Very, very good. Texperkins.com. Now, Tex, he rolled into the studio in what I could describe as a purple velour smoking jacket type of arrangement, a tight black jean, I guess when you're cool, you're cool. I ain't. Tex is. Thanks to the Howie Games man in music, John O'Keetles, for making this episode happen, and for Pat Garofolo from Universal Music Australia for getting there and getting involved. Radio, let's get on with it. Enjoy the story of Gregory Stephen Perkins, commonly known as Tex, performer, storyteller, and, you guessed it, rock star. Welcome to the Howie Games Artist Series, a man that if you've spent any time listening to music in pubs, or at festivals, big day outs, etc., around Australia, or let's be honest, around the world. You've heard this man. You've seen him. He's a powerhouse. His name is Tex Perkins. He joins us on the Howie Games Artist Series. I've never met you before, Tex, but it is great to see you. Thanks for coming in having a chat. I'm sure it'll be a pleasure, Howie. Well, we'll find out. To, <laughs> to be honest, um, it's very un-rock and roll. For a rock and roll dude, you're 25 minutes early. I didn't know if you'd be here till 9 o'clock tonight with your sort of lifestyle <laughs> that you've lived in the past, so it's nice to see you here early. We were keen to get in here. Well, it's great to have you here. Um, a couple of things before we get too far underway. I read your book which um, over the last week, which I really enjoyed. Congratulations on the book. And you wrote, you wrote yourself. Obviously, a lot of work's gone into it. Um, th- there was a chapter, and you are a big man, that you basically talked about interviews that had gone wrong and blow up she'd had with you. So I'm a li- I'll am be honest, big Tex, I'm a little bit on edge that y- you might storm out on me or throw something at me or are those days gone. Uh, I've never done those two things. Right. I actually love the interview you know, process, but it can go very badly. Tell, like, tell me when it's gone badly. So what, what do I need to well, avoid? Well, one of the ones that I mentioned in the book was uh, back in the day, yeah, when you put out an album, they'd put you in the boardroom and uh, you'd be there all day. People just siphon and, through. And yeah, exactly. One one journal after the other. And, and so I'd, I'd done you know, 20 interviews or something. Yeah, It's been a pretty full day, <laughs> pretty exhausted. And this girl comes in, doesn't even look at me, didn't even lift her head. Right. No hello. It's just like opens the pad up. 
what's the difference between this album and your last album? <laughs> so there's no real interaction going on. And I just on. went, look, you're not into this. <laughs> I can't. This is not going to work. Okay, so how about we just... Like, and, and I was, yeah, I wouldn't, didn't lose my shit, but of it was like, not. I was just being honest, like, come on, you got to give me something. You can't just, you know, like, not even a hello. You know, it was weird. You know, it's been a long day. How about we just skip this? How about we just both go home early? <laughs> well, and, that's not happening here. And he, she just sort of like, was like stunned. It was like, oh, my God. And then it was, you know, she was just flabbergasted. I don't know, I'm old school. I, I don't need small talk, just a hello. Well, a hello will do. Well, you, you get a hello and not many notes from me. You'll see there's not many notes, so it's more of a, more of a conversation. The, the reason why you're in here, I've mentioned it in the intro, 30 years since uh, The Cruel Sea, Honeymoon is Over, album came out, a stack of arias, songs of the year, um, unbelievable, and it's coming out on vinyl, yeah? Yeah. Which is For extremely exciting. So h- how many punters still come up to you now and say that song by The Cruel Sea, The Honeymoon Is Over or The Lawyer, etc." I was here at this time in my life and it meant that to me. Then the answer for a fib. That's certainly happened with those songs because uh, they're probably the, the more famous ones. But yep. um, I've had... Beautiful interactions with people who have sort of told me really personal stories, and there's a song that it's even better when it's a kind of obscure song. Yes, of course. And she, you know, just some idea that I've sort of tried to convey in the song has helped them, you know, in this in this situation. That, so and what does that I mean to you when, when oh, you get that feedback? That's, that's, I mean, surely that's what we're doing. That's that's the job. That's you know, you've got to touch people, and you've got to you kind of got to be the soundtrack to their lives. And uh, but yeah, you've got to. Um, a song should empathise with its, you know, with its listener, or, yeah. and, and vice versa. So yeah, to have people tell me all sorts of stories, you know, this helped me through, or this meant this put me in this place, and all all sorts of amazing stories, huh. like a couple that I knew that met in a uh, uh, Tibetan refugee camp, right? And uh, she. The, the album beforehand, uh, before the honeymoon is over, this is not the way home. Uh, she learned English by listening to uh, this guy that he met. She she met there. You know, they had he had a cassette of uh, this is not the way home. And, of uh, you on the yeah, other side of the world. Exactly. This is like yeah in Tibet or on the on the maybe Chinese border or something huh. something like that. But uh, yeah, in a refugee camp, and then these this couple you know got together there. That's where they met, and he had a. <laughs> Set of the cruelties. This is not the way home. And she learnt to speak English, yeah, you know, <laughs> by oh. off him and that uh, that cassette. So like, yeah, so many amazing stories that that yeah, like you send songs out, they're like carrier pigeons. <laughs> you like, yeah, it's like find land. <laughs> like, but what a place like, for it to land in, 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 in Tibet. Like yeah, you're a bloke from Queensland, and, and you're affecting people in a refugee camp. In like, I know it's, how good. That's absolutely. Magnificent, and yeah, it's, it doesn't get much better than that, really. The, the, the rewards, I mean, there's awards are, are uh, wonderful, but uh, but yeah, when you when you when you know that your music has travelled and it's touched people in a completely different sort of background and and uh, and yeah, context, uh, it's just you know wonderful. That's a great answer. Um, this is. I explained to you this is an ostensibly a sports podcast. We do an artist series, which which I'm loving, to getting to 
speak to wonderfully creative people like yourself. Like there's not many athletes come in in a maroon cord jacket with two buttons of their shirt done up. So I like the artist approach. I, 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 I One, like that. One, two, three, four. Four, yeah, okay. Oh, this is a costume change, by the way. I was wearing something well, the, the different. The artists are far cooler than the athletes is what I find. But we, we normally start this text by talking about the artist's involvement in sport. Some have a big involvement. Others, Tame Impala, didn't have much to do with sport, but he wrote the Frio Dockers theme song, for example. Um, that, that was uh, Kev's... <laughs> Well, the, involvement that, with sport. That's, that's a great story. That would have been a great story. But you, you're an AFL man coming from Queensland. Tell me about, again, I've now read your book cover to cover. Tell me about you and the Sandgate Hawks mm. and your footy career. Cause you're like, I'll say, and you can speak differently to artists. Like, you're a big bastard. Like, like where, where were you operating on the ground? Like, you're a big well, man. I grew up, uh, yeah, in Brisbane. Uh, and was schooled in you know, uh, Catholic boys' schools. So it was rugby union. Right. Um, when I left school. H- how'd you go with the school system being sort of an artistic type in a, in a oh, Catholic it was, setup? It was Catholic boys' schools in Brisbane in the 70s. Yeah. It may as well have been the 30s. You know, right. you know. They weren't, uh, they was, weren't uh, about your uh, artistic endeavours? Oh, fuck no. There was. <laughs> there was. <laughs> the, I mean. It was sport, right? Pretty much. It, 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 that was their main major thing. That, what, that what? actually, the St Joseph's Nudgy. The, this. Uh, That's a big union school, isn't it? Exactly. It's and all, not. A, it's really. Uh, I don't know where they get their money, but it's really highly. It became even more highly facilitated. Like they've got. Uh, they got themselves an um, Olympic swimming pool and okay. all the, all these all these facilities. Actually, a lot of. Um, International teams go there yeah. and stay there and use those facilities. So, um, so we were highly disciplined. Did you get disciplined? Was, at, at, oh, fuck yeah. Right. For everything. Well, what like, were you like, doing you're, wrong? You're walk, come, come, in, come in a minute late to class. Right. It's like put your hand out, whack, 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 <laughs> you know. Were Let's you rocking it. the shag at that stage, the long hair, or that was No, not, no. Okay. But I, I, we all put up with it, you know. We were like, oh, this is life. and It's a different time. So you, you realise this is maybe not you, but how does that connect to – Sandgate. Well, this was near. This is all near Sandgate. This is this is Nudgy, uh, Boondall. These are all suburbs in the yeah. the far north of Brisbane. But uh, but yeah, I, I left. I, I woke up at fifteen and thought this is all fucked up. And whenever they, if I, yeah, I didn't do anything major, but they'd still want to yeah, hit you, and 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 I'd just sort of say no. And they that just blew their minds. They just so there was a point where you were going to get disciplined. You like, said, "No, I'm not. I'm, I'm not having no, that." No, I'm not going to put my hand out so you can whack it six at times. At fifteen, yeah, I just sort of I just woke up. It was like, and then and how how that re- how was that received? Well, I did one the first term there, and then they they asked me, "You probably should uh, explore your options <laughs> elsewhere." <laughs> Move on, Greg. As it is, yeah, Greg, Greg. Not text, Greg. Greg. It was Greg there, and it was right. Like, I don't think there's a place for you. <laughs> it doesn't sound like you're missing much, to be fair. No, but uh, there was a vocational officer and they uh, looked over your... Like a careers counsellor type thing. Well, they looked over your report card yeah. and uh, basically, okay, oh, you're good at English and art. Oh, well, you're, you, sh- you should go... Uh, we're going to send... You, you can go off to tech uh, and learn how to be a sign writer. <laughs> because it's got paint, like it. it's got words, and it's got paint. It's a good connection. You know, you know art and English. Yeah. You know, like, no, nothing artistic. 
There is nothing artistic about um, sign writing. It's all about neatness. Yeah. It's all about you know controlling paint and you know, there's no. I'm sort not that's your go. I'm not sure that's your yeah, go. I was fucking hopeless. <laughs> <laughs> but I did. But the the idea of this course was uh, it was a pre apprenticeship uh, course where you know how you, the, your employee through your apprenticeship has to send you to tech college. You, yeah. you, you know for a certain time period of time each year. Well, you got all that out of the way, so you're more you were more attractive to be employed because you'd done your all your tech. So um, I started getting jobs at printers, you know, and you know, and screen printed you know, factories, and basically started with the broom, and then you know worked my way up. And but as a fifteen year old, they were just paying me shit. And anyway, I, I could never really uh, uh, get in the mindset of. Um, Yes, boss. <laughs> so, uh, uh, oh, yes. Uh, like the, the yes, boss, did you think this is not me or there's more out there? I don't know. I just, I kept trying for a whole for a whole year. So you had a crack at it? I had many cracks. <laughs> Multiple cracks. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, um, the last time I got the sack coincided with um, an opportunity for, you know, to go to Sydney with my band. So that was like the breaking point and never looked back. But to go, but but as a to go, I ask you about the Sandgate Hawks. Yes. When I left school, um, I don't know. I I guess I still had a need for some kind of structure or some kind of you know, you know group of people. Mm-hmm. So uh, me and a mate, uh, I, I had never watched AFL, right. or, you know, the VFL. Or anything. Well, it would, I, well I, it's not going to be pumped into Queensland. Well, in my old man the 70s, watched the league, yep. and I played union at school. And it's a, but my mate Craig said, oh, "Come down to the Sandgate Hawks. Apparently, you can drink in, in, the, in the in the change rooms. <laughs> That's you the know. hook. It's totally good as a reason as any. And it was fucking true. It right? Was, How old are you at this point? I'm Fifteen. Right. So we're um, so we joined the under under seventeens. And that meant you could have a beer after the game. Yeah, a fucking keg. <laughs> of course. In, in the change rooms. You know, For the under 17. Every Saturday. Every Saturday time. night. It's a different time. And like that was my first experience of getting shit faced. And, and what, what what were you like on field? I was hopeless. Oh. I didn't I, I I didn't even understand the <laughs> rules of the game. And I'd been there like I'd been to like a month worth of training and like it was too embarrassing to admit I have no idea what the rules are. Can you can you start at the beginning? <laughs> I couldn't. It's a long way back. I know, like, but yeah, you know, even just all the basics. But the intricacies but, weren't weren't your go. Also, I was a gangly fifteen year old. I you know I was like, okay, I was spaghetti. You know, and uh, you know, no muscle on me. So were you a defender? So, were you a big ruckman? They chucked me wherever oh, ever right. anyone needed a rest. When the, I was basically the bench guy, right? And you know, if somebody needed ten minute rest, send Greg out there. Yeah, yeah. I ended up. Often in the forward pocket. Okay. Because I could do the least amount of damage there, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> and did you snag me? Did you have a day out where you kicked a couple or no? Um, no, never no. never at the Sandgate Hawks. Right. So then I did did the whole season and then, uh, yeah, music really took over my life and I never, for 10 years, I did not look at sport of any kind, all through the 80s. And it was in 93, 1993, that I saw the, that picture of Nicky Winmar. Oh, pointing at his skin. Yeah. I went, what's that all about? Oh. It was like, like such a. Iconic. I mean, I didn't know it was an iconic picture it's of that. I mean, it was, picture, it, was, it was 
probably not long after it actually happened yeah. that I saw the photo. So I investigated that and I thought, oh, that's so fucking cool. What a great gesture. And he didn't lose his shit. I became a Nicky Winmar fan. And uh, it was also at the same time I started hearing this idea that it's all based on a... a Mangrook. Mangrook. Got which ya. blew my mind. And uh, I thought, well, this is actually, this game is actually kind of sacred, really. And I saw the saw that side of it and really investigated that side. And, uh, yeah, I was fascinated with a lot of uh, players like Shea Cockatoo Collins. He's, yeah. I remember seeing Shea, he was about 55 out on the, on the boundary. He was having a shot of goal and he closed his eyes. He just sort of closed his eyes for about three or four seconds. I remember seeing that. He was obviously visualising what he was about to do. Mm. And then he opened his eyes, looked at the goal, and it was like this perfect kick. And it was like, shit, there might be magic happening here. Mm. And, um, yeah, so. um, So you became a Saints man. Well, yeah. I wasn't sure where I was. I was living in Sydney at the time. I'd grown up in Brisbane, so there was the Bears and, and there was the, the, the Swans. The bears. <laughs> it, was the, it was in the Bears they days. They were a Capron crew. <coughs> so um, actually, the <clears throat> the Bears didn't weren't doing too badly uh, mid nineties. No, they had a good period under Robert Walls. And actually, the, when they became the Lions, it, they had. I think there was a couple of years where they were bottomed out. Yeah, and, then, um, then come but then the. Mm. Then the Lee Matthews period. But, uh, so you, you went, I was reading in your book with interest, you, you went to the Saints grand final? Uh, 2010, yes. So which of, was the replay? Yes. So uh, where, where are you when the ball's racing down towards Stevie Milne? Are you thinking we're premiers here? You never think that. As a Saint. <laughs> 66, a long time <laughs> no, ago, yeah, There's always a voice going... This is going to fuck up. <laughs> this, this, this. You know, I've got that fish and killed mate, and that's, that's them. Whether don't, they say it or not, that's don't, for, don't count your chickens. <laughs> there, there, there's, not, there's no such thing as a sure thing. With, you know. Yeah. Bad bounce. You're the best. Ball bouncing. Oh, oh. Scores a level. Oh, no. What are you doing next week? I mean, I mean we were certainly on a roll. Yeah. Okay. I mean, if, if the game had lasted... If they'd just done extra time, if Oregon the Saints would, would have taken it, I don't know. This is classic St Kilda. A different team turned up the, the next weekend. Yeah, on both sides they'd, of the fence. They'd, they'd spent everything they had. They'd spent it, yeah, they and had. they didn't bring anything to the, 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 the replay. Before we get to, to music, um, I, I was fascinated. <laughs> I'm, I'm reading through your book, and there's rock and roll and there's wildness and and then pops up zone ball. Yeah. We're, we're staying with sport. Yeah. Explain to the people what zone ball is. Yeah. Well, we would take often take a footy with us on tour. I like that. And uh yeah, just yeah, you know, just get a bit get a bit of exercise. It's it was my preferred just to go out for a kick was my preferred form of exercise and Kind of, it was like I saw it as a you know like having a kick was like how I imagine people feel about golf, having a game of golf. I wasn't interested in you know running hard and you know, and smacking you know and getting all into the you know the the biffo, but but I love just dropping a kick and you know connecting with it, you know and getting feeling that sweet spot and it just goes ping. And it's like I just 
you know, I just love that, you know, and I love, you know, love having a kick to kick with a bunch of mates, but love getting in front of goals yeah, and, uh, you know, trying it from all angles. And, uh, <laughs> actually, uh, in recent times, I kind of perfected the uh, Are we talking? completely kicking across the body. You know, like, oh, okay, like yeah. The, oh, right, Stevie J are, style, right. Or Harry Mackay style. Yeah. So okay. like, on the boundary yep. and you're like, the gap is You've been small. nailing those? Yeah. Well, oh. I actually, I've, I'm pretty, I'm actually better at that than straight on. <laughs> this doesn't surprise me about you. So how does this relate to the, the, well, okay. the zone ball? Well, we would carry around a football around. Yeah. And um, then sometimes it would be indoors, like in the venue before people got there. We'd have a little little kick to kick. And then like then it was like, how about we only mark one-handed? And then suddenly we were sort of, we had sort of a, some kind of game. And then, then slowly we just gathered more rules <laughs> around. Basically, zone ball is it's like a game of tennis. Two players, you, you define a zone. Well, it's like a court. And uh, the server has to get it into the other player's zone. By kicking? By kicking, but making it difficult to uh, to catch. And, and what, what do I try and do when you serve you towards to me? You have to mark it one-handed. One-handed. And what happens if I drop it? Well, you don't get it. You've got to. You've got to. You've got to use. Do I lose one a, hand. Do I lose a point or something? Or no, you only get points by marking it. Okay. If the kick goes outside the zone, yeah. it automatically becomes a two-pointer if you if you mark it. Oh, so if you scurry so, over, so jump if, a I, of... if I make a shit kick and yeah. it goes outside the zone, and you run and and get it one-handed, one-handed, of course, I get two points. Two points. Okay. Is so, is there a is there like table tennis? Does it top out at twenty-one? Funny enough, we did. We, it was. It was. It, that was. That's very smart of you. It's, it is. Tw- it's ping pong scoring. Right. Okay. And, and of course, you had to be two points in front. Right. Uh, yeah, it was to twenty-one. And you played this all around the joint. Yeah. Well, I'll, as I say, it, we sort of it sort of evolved very gradually, uh, uh, and like we'd add, you know, we'd try new rules, you know, and. and Something happened would happen in the game that hadn't happened before, so we'd have to okay, this needs a rule, you know. It's like, but uh, I've I pretty much codified the game. Right? And, uh, Are the rules written somewhere? Is it in print somewhere? It should be, shouldn't it? Should well, be. Just because in thirty years, when you may no longer be with us, and someone needs to pass on the rules of of yeah. this game. Yeah, well, I've played it a lot with uh, Bob Murphy. Okay, he's a mate. Yeah, he'd uh, be into that. I can he, see that. He loves it. More of text in a moment. That is it for this run of the Artist Series. Five more Artist Series episodes coming your way post-Christmas. Some very cool guests. Keep an eye out for it. All righty, let's get back to text. Before we get to music, who have you – you'll see from this question that there is nothing prepared or planned here. <laughs> who have you seen in a crowd at a show you've done and thought, holy heck, someone X has come to watch me perform? Kate Blanchett. Kate Blanchard. Mm. See, that's a good that, – like 25 minutes in, that's a heavy <laughs> name drop text. Yeah. It's a good one. <laughs> well, yeah, we were – Kate Blanchard. Yeah, I was doing the man in black. The, oh, the, the Johnny, the, Cash. Johnny Cash. I need thing. to talk to you about this. And uh, we were doing it at the, the Sydney Opera House. Okay. We had a season, you know, like, like a month, month season there, so doing seven shows a week. Hello, I'm Tex Perkins. And yeah, uh, 
I know she must have been doing something else, but there she was, and it was pretty. It was maybe third row. Right. So she. So do you so recognise was, and think, wow, Kate Blanchett's had come to see me perform? I did. That's cool. <laughs> That's cool. So where, where does it start, mate? You, you're growing up. You've you've given us your your background. Queensland, late sixties, early seventies. Strict Catholic sport discipline. <laughs> how, how does Greg, as you were at that stage? move into the artistic field of music? Do you find it or does it find you? Um, well, I was, as a 15-year-old, 16-year-old, I was venturing into the Brisbane night, which was perilous. Perilous. <laughs> 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 That's um, a great adjective. Especially if you looked a little different. Okay. I mean, I didn't have a pink mohawk or anything, right. but I had short hair. I mean, probably had hair like you. Okay. But in 1980... That was weird. Right. It's not as stylish <laughs> as it is now in 2023 is what but you I, tell me. I, and I didn't have flares. Okay. And I, wore, I was wearing gym boots and you know, and stovepipe you know, jeans and maybe I had a T-shirt. So, so did you end up in but rumbles because you dressed differently? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but I, I used to get bashed on the train before I was sort of, uh, sort of you know, punky looking, you know, sort of alternative looking. Basically, before I looked a little different, I, I was already getting bashed. Right, so you weren't obviously physically massive then because I don't think too many people are giving you any stick now. Well, four, four or five blokes on a, a, okay. on a train and right. you're, you're the only. Yeah, okay, I get <laughs> There's you. no escape between uh, basically you've just got to um, protect your head and cop it. But, uh, so so you're, you're at this stage when you're exploring this Brisbane area, this, you're starting mm. to go and see bands and starting, starting to, to find and a connection? Um, and what are you thinking when you're seeing it? You're thinking, oh, maybe I could do that or I just enjoy what I'm seeing here. I mean, I always thought, I've, I still have this policy of I'm, I'm inspired by other artists and, you, and basically I'm just thinking, that looks fun. Yeah, it does. <laughs> so, like, um, it does. It can be different forms of music or you know different styles and everything. Do you think you had natural talent? Like, could you sing? Well, this is how I got into my first real band. Um, You've been in a few bands, by the way. I went to see a, a gig and got pretty messed up. You did, yeah. yeah. Okay, made an asshole of myself. <laughs> I love you. How candid you are, Dex. <laughs> fell down these stairs. You know, like there's this, there's this long staircase, uh, exterior staircase that uh, led up to this gig, and I fell down those stairs. I was I was a bit of a spectacle, basically, okay. and and uh, a fuck up spectacle. But um, <laughs> a couple of weeks later, I'm at another uh, at a nightclub, the only sort of yeah alternative kind of nightclub in Brisbane. What was it called? I think it was called the Underground. Okay, Underground. Yep. Okay, and, so, uh, so you're at the Underground. Anyway, I'm at the Underground, and these two sort of gawky-looking kids come up to me. They're probably around my age, and they, and they say, "You're that guy at the the Pork gig uh, a couple of weeks ago, weren't you?" And I was like, "Oh yeah, yeah." Do you want to be in a band with us? <laughs> due to your ability to have too due, many and fall down the stairs. Due to my ability to. Create a scene. Okay. <laughs> create. So they didn't ask if you could sing or no, play or anything. They just liked the look of me, <laughs> and, like, and they, they observed me that night and thought that guy should be a, in the, the lead singer in a rock and roll band. So when did you first sing in front of people? Well, maybe a month after after that. We Are probably, we nervous? Totally. Right. Yeah. How many people is there? Quite a few because the first gig that we got was we snagged the uh, the opening spot for this. Band from Sydney called the All Nighters. What are you called? We're called the Dum Dums. Right. 
And our first gig was supporting the all-nighters from so they Sydney. So they were a big deal, were they? Well, they, they were a, They drew a crowd. They drew a crowd. Yeah, they were a ska band. They, they had kind of one or two kind of hits, but... Uh, so from a, a sporting perspective, but, have you done any practice before you get up? Have you, oh, have yeah. You, oh, so you've practiced with the band. Yeah, and you, we've, got, we've written so a bunch going, of songs. You're going originals? Probably about half and half. Okay. So how, how are you feeling well, when you hear I'm, the crowd starting to, and you're out the back thinking, oh, hang on? Well, we're first on, <laughs> but it was first time on a stage, you know, being the guy with the mic and everything. Yeah. It wasn't a disaster. So you it couldn't... Wasn't, it wasn't great. Uh, I wouldn't... But, but the manager of the all-nighters came up to me afterwards and said, hey, you guys should come to Sydney. So, like, the, the very first gig, the guy that needs to see us sees us First and, and, and makes an offer. On the back of a bloke falling down some stairs. <laughs> well, <laughs> he didn't know about and that. And getting a gig and then, so then yeah. you're off to Sydney. Yeah. How old are you? 17. So what, I often ask um, athletes this text, and I always use this analogy. As a, we'll get to you as a performer and your, your magnetism and your, your energy. For anyone that's seen this man live, they'll know what I'm talking about, just the sheer audacity and the power you bring to the stage. But as an actual singer, I use this analogy as I say, I don't know how much you, you follow cricket. Were you Ricky Ponting that was naturally talented and was always going to get up there and do it? Or were you Justin Langer that wanted to do it but had to work and work and work and work and work? I was always happy with where I was. Huh. I was – and – the next step was presented to me. It was like a series of opportunities. And you just took them? And I just took them. Exactly. I, when a door opened, I'd walk through it. And if somebody said, hey, come and do this, and go, yeah, okay, give that a try. So you just did what you're already doing and that led to other things. So um, I don't know. I didn't – look, I, I, I was – I spent 10 years playing music in bands before I really realised – I think I've got a music career. Okay, like, so it snuck up on you. Because I was, yeah, a teenager. I was living in, sometimes I was living in squats, sometimes share houses. So, like, the rent was low. Um, so a squat? I was like, on the dole, so I was getting paid on the dole. Right. And then every couple of weeks, do a gig, free beer and, um, you know, <laughs> free beer and, you know, 50 bucks. Okay. And, um that's a pretty good deal, really, and it was, it was a great lifestyle for a, you know, a 17, 18-year-old. And, uh, the, the sign-writing industry of Australia would be devastated. They lost their, <laughs> like they lost their main man. So you, you're living pretty low to the ground. You, you haven't got a great deal of expenses. Yeah. When, when do you become... Professional? Well, yeah. When do you start becoming really good at what you do? So not long after all that, well, the dum-dums break up. And they break up suddenly, like. So I've got a series of gigs still booked. Ah. So I've got. I've are, you, got are they text Perkins and the Dum Dums by then? So yeah, text, like you're, dead, you're, text you're the deadly and the Dum Dums. Text deadly, yeah. right? Sorry, yep. Yeah. Um, anyway, they, the band, the, some, some of the guys go back to Brisbane, but I've still got these gigs. So there's still money on the table. Well, exactly. I've got gigs, and yeah, I'm going to do them. So um, I've got friends, and I've made friends with a lot of great bands, like. The Hootagurus, the scientists, the Johnnies—they're all my friends. So, like, when that happened, a bloke called Spencer P. Jones uh, said, "Oh, we'll, we'll back you." And uh, 
another mate called Boris Sudovic come on board. So they they helped me out to fulfil these these gigs. And gigs. We're thinking, well, this is this is the last um, the three gigs that we've got booked, and then that'll be it. We're done. We'll, Back we'll, to songwriting we'll, or whatever. Yeah. Like, little did we know that the, that was you know forty years ago, and I'm still sort of occasionally doing the Beasts of Bourbon. Yeah, and there was an incredible uh, history. Uh, we did a whole lot of albums together and toured. You know. And tremendously successful. Like you, you, When you talk about the Beasts of Bourbon, this is like, – I, I loved a lot of parts of your book, but for those that haven't read Tex's book that's into this type of thing, they should because it starts, to my beautiful children – Stop reading right now, seriously, and in brackets, Mum, you've already read too much. So that, that's page one. I thought, this is going to be a good, like, that was a good hook. It got me in text. But the, the thing that, um, it, it's a little bit more for my generation, but the Beast of Bourbon, and I, I hadn't really understood or seen this before, there seemed to be early days some real animosity between the punters and the band, like, and a real sort of aggressive type setup. Well, I've found the audience was always potentially my uh, – they, they'll turn on you in a, in a, <laughs> in a minute. Okay. I mean, Welcome to my es- world. <laughs> especially, especially in the early days where you're playing in front of somebody else's audience. Ah, uh, so you're especially, the – okay. So like, no, they don't give a shit about you and you're just this annoyance <laughs> that, that, that they have to uh, So you're endure. the acting act while yeah. that – right. But so we did a fair bit of that. So we'd be in front of somebody else's audience. So uh, and you'd give it to them. Well, they'd give it to us. You know, I mean, it, a lot of can throwing. You know, <laughs> at you or are you throwing it at them? No, they're, them throwing it at us. What's that like and, when you're on stage when you're trying to do your work and blokes are throwing well, cans at you? It's part of the gig. It, it, it's it's. it's <laughs> I don't think it is part of the gig, but anyway. Well, you're the rock that, and that roll was the stuff. atmosphere. That was what you had to put okay. up with. That's just like, another night at the office. You didn't, couldn't go, oh, how terrible, and, and storm off. Okay, you had to take but, it. Yeah. <laughs> but I foolishly, it's kind of maybe, I was being a bit of a smart ass, but I was also saw an opportunity. Where like I said to one audience, hey, look, stop throwing uh, cans and, uh, and bottles. Why don't you throw uh, 50 cent pieces? That could really hurt. And Anyway, we made about thirty extra bucks that night. You know. <laughs> <laughs> the band didn't like it much because I could see them coming, but yeah, you know, and 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 dodge them. But uh, yeah, the drummer who was uh, just <laughs> a stationary spot didn't wasn't too keen on my suggestion. But uh, so, that became actually a tradition. Even our friendly audiences would throw money at us. That became better than stubbies. Uh, yeah, but yeah. Even you know, you know, audiences, you know, that that became people heard about that, and then it became a thing. Yeah, you know, they, they would throw money at us, the coins at us. Yeah, it was always. Yeah, you know, we survive on tips. <laughs> <laughs> we will get to success, but I don't know how you feel. Well, you've you've told your children not to read the book, but um, this is very different to the typical sports podcast we do, which is why I love doing with the artists. Before we get to success, talk to me about excess and what what it's like, like you, you become, you know, be suburban and then we'll get to the cruel sea. Like you, you're a massive band. You, you're selling out. You're, you're not the, the first band now. You're the band people are coming to see. You're portrayed 
by the audience as like this god of rock and roll, like the, the job that we all want. You're like you're a rock and roll god. How do you deal and control with excess, whether it be alcohol or drugs or et cetera, in, in that environment? What, what have you learned about that? Is that a fair question? I, I, got, I, I help myself at the buffet yep. <laughs> of all that, but uh, a lot of my mates never left the buffet. You know, okay. they'd, they'd stand at the buffet, just shovel more in. I, so why did I was, you? I don't know. I just my personality, uh, I'm, I'm no clean skin, but I, I know <clears> – <throat> Howie, there's a difference between scratching your ass and ripping it to shreds. <laughs> so you're a scratcher. <laughs> I mean, a scratch is enough okay. without, you know, drawing blood. Okay. <laughs> like, okay. So you can, you, know, contro- you can control that. Yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't a big deal, really. I mean. How does it affect performance? Well. Because that's what you're there. You're like, you, you mentioned the word professional. You're out there. To, I've paid me 20 bucks. I want to see these blokes rock my world. I've, I've never, never been, you know, too drunk or anything so, to not play. I've I've been injured, like I've had a back injury and and uh, couldn't get to the stage, which I regret. Which I look back on that and and think, no, you could have done it lying down. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I guess it was a, uh, the end of a long tour, and you know something was going to break, and it happened to be my back. But uh, yeah, I know that was the only one of the few times that I uh, couldn't make the stage, but. Uh, but yeah, I, I I don't know. I love making music, and sure, a few few you know, drinks beforehand gets you into the zone. Yep. But um, too much is yeah, it's just too much, and it, you know it doesn't work. And uh, so uh, a lot of a lot of my uh, comrades uh, had trouble with with that, and. Uh, the ones that had the most trouble are no longer with us. Sorry so, uh, to hear that. So there's, the, yeah, there's a clear price to pay. Yeah, absolutely. That is the end of Tex Perkins Part A. Flip the record. See you in Part B.